Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International and recorded by Errors LA, the audio Internet reading service of Los Angeles. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and I'll be one of your hosts this evening. But I'm really very, very excited to have this particular topic this evening when we talk about ways that you can help yourself to gain employment. We know that for so many people with low vision, they often are then under the impression that they will not be able to get work. But after you hear what's going on tonight, I think that you're going to have a completely different opinion. Mm-hmm. So... Richard Retta is our main speaker this evening. Many of you may know Richard. He has been involved in many organizations for the blind and the partially sighted throughout the country. He was also employed previously at the Foundation for the Junior Blind in Los Angeles before transferring to the Northern California branch. He is currently working for the Sacramento Society for the Blind, He has given lectures throughout the country and even throughout the world. He has co-authored a book. And if you're interested in a book for people with low vision, this book is called Insights into Low Vision. And you could find that at the cclvi.org webpage. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you to a great friend and a role model, Richard Rueda. All right, Dr. Bill, thank you. And, boy, I'd like to meet this guy. He sounds impressive. Um, <laughs> and, Dr. Bill, uh, I appreciate your um, your introduction. And please stay on the line if you have any questions to interject. Uh, I'd love for you to be a part of this. Um, for those who don't know, uh, this call is recorded, and it's, it's later played on ACB Radio. It's available on podcasts and through Airs LA, which is impressive. So this call is small but mighty, and... Um, we typically open up the, the call for conversation and questions to our guests towards the end. But um, thank you all for listening and being on this call and being on this show. Um, it's been quite a while since I've been a part of Let's Talk Low Vision. It's been a part of the CCLVI landscape for, what do you think, Dr. Bill, since 2008 or nine when Bernice started it? Yes, yes, uh-huh. So well over a decade. And uh, every every month uh, we we've got topics and sometimes we bring them back and they're they're just impressive and Dr. Bill's been with us from the start so uh, thank you Dr. Bill a huge uh, debt of gratitude to you for for hosting these calls um, well tonight we're going to talk about uh, careers employment for blind and low vision individuals uh, in the United States and, and even internationally and. I am um, in preparing for this call back in late summer with Christine, Sarah, Dr. Bill, and I. We were talking about different things, and, and the idea of employment and tackling employment for our population was something that I said I, I'd do this. I'll be happy to do it, having been a rehabilitation counselor in my former life. So I reached out to two good friends and colleagues, um, Mark Hanahana, who is a student who also works at uh, Wayfinder Family Services in Los Angeles and has run his own organization, Community Association for the Blind. And I believe you still have affiliation with that organization, Mark? Yeah, I do. It's still around. Great. And then um, 
Kate Williams, who is like the uh, world-renowned renowned job person, she works at the Lighthouse of the Blind in San Francisco, and for, I believe, since I've been working there, or when I worked there, I should say, over 10 years ago, Kate joined the Lighthouse and has been working in their employment immersion program. Kate, is that still the name of the program? Well, it, yes, it is. However, we have an umbrella employment services, which embraces more than the employment immersion program. We're able to offer more um, a broader scope of products that way, um, but the actual training program that we have is still referred to as the Employment Immersion Program, yes, and it's been 10 years we've been here. Indeed, exactly. I remember when it was getting incubated, and it was pretty impressive stuff, and, and I, over the course of our call, I'd like for you to tell us a little about that and what you've done, so maybe we'll do introductions and have you both uh, briefly tell us a little about yourself, your background, and, um, and your current positions. And, and um, ladies first, Kate, would you like to start? Start. Oh, I'm going to let Mark go first. I think that would be just an age before beauty. I think that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right, no problem. Uh, well, my name is Mark Conohano. Um I live in Southern California. Um, both of my parents are visually impaired. Um, they actually... Uh, uh, I guess you could say I learned a lot of things from them, if anything else. But um, uh, let's see. Gosh, my story is so long. I'm just trying to make it short. So uh, I actually started – actually, uh, Richard Greta was the one that actually got me involved with working and volunteering with a lot of blind and visually impaired. Um, he used to belong to an organization that did a lot of um, recreational events. And um, I know I was kind of nervous in the beginning to go because I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I did do a lot of things with other organizations, but um, this one was quite small, but it was really nice. We got a chance to do a lot of different things, and a lot of those recreation activities really did foster a lot of independent type of uh, living type of skills and gave a lot of people within the program itself a lot of confidence to go out there and, and not just do fun things, but also do things for the community as well. Um, so that was just one of the kind of the things that kind of inspired me. I started actually um, started off with volunteering at a center in Whittier, California, and um, helping out with the rec department there. And then um, I, I went from there to another organization where we did a lot of recreational activities um, in Southern California, San Diego, L.A. area. And then um, I even worked uh, before uh, – Junior Blind changed their name to Wayfinder Family Services. I, I had started volunteering there at their camp for the blind in Malibu, and um, I was on staff on there with the rec for a while. And then I, I, I guess you could say I've been around um, for quite a while with a lot of different organizations for the blind and visually impaired. Um, and Mark, what do you currently right do? I currently do. <laughs> well, actually, I wear a lot of hats where I, I work now, but I work with all the adults. Um, before coming on board with the adult program, I actually worked with uh, transition services with um, students between the ages of 16 and 24. And uh, one of my first assignments was working with their um, uh, their uh, what is it called uh, their internship program, where we were placing students all over pretty much LA County even as went as far as even Orange County to place them for work. And that was very, that was a really a lot of fun. So I think that uh, that was one of the things I really enjoyed doing. And then from there, I moved over to the adult programs. And that's where I'm at now. 
Um, one of them is an immersion program with independent living, where it's a residential program, students live on campus. Um, I also work with, uh, my main job though is to help support a lot of the other programs like the employment services program and then also the technology training program. So I kind of, um, I guess you could say I'm kind of support for all three of those programs there. Mm. So, and that's kind of my background and story. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, and I really appreciate the thorough introduction. And, and what I'm hearing here, the theme I'm hearing here from uh, a low vision gentleman, the situation yourself is initiative. You took initiative, you were out there, you put yourself out there, and you, you, you've done many jobs, which, which is impressive, which I think is a, is a quality that a lot of people want to embrace, and, and that's really great. So thank you for your introduction. Uh, Kate, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? It's a long story. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, we're ready. Uh, I, came, I came in the back door. Um, I uh, my career was in medical sales for many years. Um, when my company closed down, they were purchased by another company, which often happens in the medical field. A pharmaceutical company tapped me on the shoulder and asked if I would like to help them recruit their pharmaceutical sales reps. So that's how I began in employment. Um, I traveled all around the country and helped the, um, the company identify candidates for pharmaceutical sales representatives. It was a wonderful life. I have to tell you, I so enjoyed it. Um, I lived in Southern California. I lived in Laguna Beach, and I worked in Irvine at, at a company, Allergan Pharmaceuticals, which if you um, are familiar with ophthalmic pharmaceuticals, they're one of the leaders in the field, uh, which turned out to be uncanny coincidence because um, after I was there as a, an HR manager, um, I suddenly started um, having some issues with my vision. They, I was lucky they had a clinic on site in our research and development department, and that's when I learned that I was going to be uh, losing my vision. Um, it was a shock, I must be honest. Um, I'd never met a blind person in my life. I knew nothing about blindness. I only knew that I thought my life was over. Um, I, for a bit of time, asked friends to drive me places uh, to get me around and even to the grocery store because I couldn't get there without a car and I couldn't drive. And then I, I don't know what happened. I just picked myself up by the bootstraps. My children had just entered college, just left home, and I thought, I don't want to quit working. Um, this is not going to get me down. Um, it, I, I wallowed for a while, I must be honest, probably six, seven months before I made a decision to move to San Francisco where they had public transportation. What a great move that was. I moved here and went into executive recruiting for a period of time because I could still see my computer. And then as that, um, that skill left me, I couldn't read a resume, and that was my lifeblood. How can I recruit people if I can't read their resume? That's when someone entered my life and told me about accessible technology, and that's what turned my whole life around. Um, I learned that I could be productive if I just did things a different way. And having been in employment for so long and having done a lot of recruiting, um, I paired up with someone who said, let's start an employment program where we can train people to do the technology and you can help them find jobs. Mr. Brian Bashan, who is our CEO, connected with us and asked if we would like to join him at the Lighthouse, and we did in 2010. 
So it's, it's been nine years since we started our program at the Lighthouse for the Blind, and I have to tell you, right now I am riding on a high. I'm so excited because we just completed our first virtual training. So we have, over the years, we've served 265 job seekers. We've placed over 43% of them in jobs. Those that we haven't placed, we're probably still working with them. We don't let go of our students easily. We want to stick with them until they find employment. Uh, we wanted to spread this beyond our geographical area. And so, as I said, we just finished our first virtual training. So beginning next year in January, we will be reaching out beyond our Greater Bay Area and able to go into areas where there is no employment services available for people who want to work and bring them in on conference um, the Zoom. Some people will be able to see us visually. Some will only be able to hear us. But now we're going to reach a lot of people and being able to give them the good word that if you want to work, there is a job for you. I thoroughly believe that. If we want to work, there is a job. And it takes a, a job. Getting a job is a job. Um, but we like to lead people through that process Keep their, help them develop that confidence that they don't already have it, and um, do a robust job search. And we're all dedicated to that. I have a great team that I work with. We have two employment specialists and a coordinator. And beginning next week, we'll have an employer engagement specialist out there working with um, companies and organizations, um, bringing our, our people directly to them. So it's really exciting times for us here at the Lighthouse. Well, Kate, impressive story. I always get goosebumps every time I hear it and how you you were a headhunter and you, you were in, in it, and then uh, now you are leading it in, uh, in the field of blindness. I mean, it's really impressive stuff. Dr. Bill, did I hear you? Did you have a follow-up question? Uh, you know, I just wanted to interrupt, and I want to thank uh, both Mark and Kate. It's just very, very impressive. But for our audience out there, I also wanted to let you know that uh, Christine – she will be taking notes from tonight's uh, discussion. So you don't have to worry about trying to write notes or type and things. So Christine will be uh, posting these notes available to you. And also, uh, Dr. Joe Yerka, we will also be having the audio podcast for you so you could refer it to others later. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, Dr. Bill. So, Kate, and Mark, uh, some other questions that come to mind, and I, I sent these to you in advance, so I might be going all over the map, is, Kate, you did a really impressive overview of what you, how you've come to the position you're in and what you're doing, so I was going to skip over and go, if you guys could look at the entire landscape of working with adults and young adults who are blind, who are low vision, and who you meet from all over the place. I'm sure you both go to conferences and you meet people with all types of jobs and, you know, from woodworking to um, architects to just brilliant things that we never thought blind people could do. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges you see that um, people who are active job seekers with vision loss are, are faced with in 2019? And we know there's a lot of technology. We know there's a lot of things that are available to us that weren't there 10 years ago. But what are, at the same time, what are some of the greatest challenges that you 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 see in the active job seeker? Mark, do you want to go ahead? Uh, no, go ahead. You can go first. Okay. It, it is an old story, 
and it is going to take us some time, but I think we are making headway. It's the uh, perception that many employers have about blind people, about what they can and cannot do. Certainly technology is even that that playing field for us, but it's not always the answer. It's an unintentional bias, I'm sure. Um, I guess that's why we have hired someone to actually help us go out and touch those employers to um, help them become more aware of our capabilities. We like to infuse that and do that into our students also is um, to choose what you want to do, prepare yourself to do it, and then go out with confidence and get it. And it, it can, it does work. We keep emphasizing that people hire people. So when we're doing our training, we really do emphasize being authentic and real and um, and getting to, you know, studying the employer, getting to know a great deal about them and preparing them to interview by um, making sure that they have uh, relating their act, their experience or transferable skills to qualify them for the job. Because when an employer looks at an individual and they find that they are qualified for the job, they're more likely to bring them in for an interview. I mean, that's just a little piece of it, certainly. Um, but we try to uh, train students that, you know, don't hold yourself back. Do what you want to do. Prepare yourself to do it because it, we, you can make that happen. Uh, we like to build up confidence in individuals so um, that they're not feeling that overall pale or pall, excuse me, pall that some can get from employers. We are making an impact. This is a year when many uh, human resources departments are employing diversity and inclusion, and we find more and more that they're listening to us and they're opening their eyes, so to speak, to look at what we have to offer. So you're, you're, would, you you firmly believe? What, well, I'm sorry, Mark. Just really quick, Kate. You firmly believe that disability, diversity, and inclusion is not just um, cheap talk anymore. It's the real deal. Well, I would say that the percentage of companies, the corporations that actually have dis, the disabled, you know, title in their diversity, is probably less than five percent. Where they actually there's a lot of attention paid to other. Uh, you know, other diverse uh, backgrounds rather than uh, just disabilities. But we are finding that it is increasing. We, ha we have a big job to do, um, yes. but there is a lot more awareness now. Yes, I think it's going to help us a great deal. Absolutely. So Thank there, you. We just have to, we have to connect with them. Right. No, that's brilliant. And Mark? No, I was going to say that I, I agree, especially when it comes to perception. Um, that a lot of the employers have. I think one of the challenges that, because um, you know, one of the things that I, I do as well is not just um, job fairs and helping people out with interviews or getting, you know, uh, contacting an employer, but one of the biggest things that we see is just that a lot of them just need to be uh, assured that, you know what I mean, what are they capable of doing? You know what I mean? What those that are blind and visually impaired are capable of doing. And, it's not like if it's just, I know in the past or even sometimes now, sometimes people want to cast sometimes a lot of blind, visually impaired people in a, in a tight casting of where, well, it's customer service, so it's call center. Or it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's something very basic, nothing. But there are a lot of people out there that have the educational background and, and things like that. And sometimes it, 
it, the thing is, though, is unfortunately there's not a lot of funding in that, but going out and educating the employers on yeah. um, what those are, you know, for those that have visual impairments could do and can do is, is a lot of work. It really is. I, I remember sitting on a um, – I was at an airport, and I was talking to a guy for a long time, for about an hour, and normally I'm really bad at remembering a lot of the details or whatever, but I remember in the beginning of the conversation he had told me he had a – uh, a daughter with a hearing impairment, you know, in the beginning. And we started talking, and I, I remember telling him what I do and, and about helping people with visual impairments get, a, get you know, jobs. And he was a CEO of a, of a company that has, that does um, uh, virus protection type thing, a, a smaller company. I forgot the name of it is. But anyway, um, he was telling me about, well, you know, I, I, he was telling me how he doesn't think that any blind people could do computer type things or, you know, cause they hire a lot of people that need to be hackers and like they hire people to actually hack their system and that's how they hire them. And, and I, one person, one blind person I know is looking for a job that has a whole bunch of degrees in that. I mean, he wants to work for NASA and everything, you know, and everything. And I, I, I can just think of one person in my head. So, you know, I was telling him, I was like, you know, I said, I have a friend. You know, and, you know, he's looking for employment and he's applied things like Northrop and Grumman and stuff like that. And, and, you know, he's, he's deaf. And he goes, no, I, I, I don't know. That's a lot of responsibility, you know, taking care, uh, making sure that, that things are accommodated and everything. And, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I said something to the effect of, well, wouldn't you want you to know that your daughter had that same opportunity that somebody else had? Wow. You know, and that really made him. You know, he, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't remember how I phrased it, but I said something to that effect, you know, and, and exactly. <laughs> definitely, yeah, you know, he didn't really say much, but you know, that those are just, it's just hard sometimes. I, I think, it's, I think people are, it's not that even people are even scared. They just don't know what, you know what I mean? Where, where to go with that, you know, or, or what is it that's needed in order to make it done? A lot of people think it's, it's complicated and it's not. It makes mm-hmm. people make it, Sometimes, sometimes they believe it's more complex than it than it really is. So right. you know, it, 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 it's really true. I mean, I've heard you say this story before, Mark, and it's that aha moment. It's that where it's a low incidence population of blind and low vision people. So most the average person has never met a blind person before. Right. And so it, 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 it's, it's situations like that. Mark, you were talking about tight casting and how blind people historically were told, you know, massage therapist or, you know, be a musician yeah. or something mm-hmm. real narrow like that. Or, or um, So I remember one of the coolest things I did was, and the most nerve-wracking was, is in 2010 I was invited to um, Taipei, Taiwan with the uh, – I forget the name of the organization, but basically it's it's their version of CSUN where they invite people out from all over the world to speak to their rehab counselors, and I everything was paid for. And uh, we got a week trip out to Taipei City for, for a two-hour presentation, and I got to talk about my whole invitation was talk about influence the rehab system on how I got how I worked with blind adults as a rehab counselor in California to uh, think outside the box because all the blind people back then were doing were massage therapists or or school teachers at the school for the blind. So I got to give a two-hour presentation on what I did to get people to different jobs and about the jobs we did. And uh, I think the hardest part was that was the translation because you would stop and then they translate and then you'd start over. It was in real time. And so... 
Um, it was the most nerve-wracking, oh, wow. but it was one of the most brilliant things I've ever done. And, and, and I hope to this day that conversations like that have continued so that we can really mitigate the unemployment and bring it down. Um, Kate, Mark, you know, let's talk about the secret sauce. What's, what's the recipe? What's, what are some of the tools that are available to us as blind job seekers, as low vision soft seekers out there that we're not aware of or may not be obvious to us, but both of you work in employment or support employment services in your field, respective fields. So what are some of the things that you frequently tell people about that they don't know of, they're not aware of, or that's new or, or in, innovative that, that really helps move the needle of unemployment from 70% down to half that, if not more? I can say it in one word. We teach them networking. Uh, only 4 to 6% of people find their jobs by looking at job boards and applying. The, the rate of placement is so low. Um, 75% of all people find their jobs through networking. And it's a scary thing to bring up. A lot of people, you know, as soon as they hear that word, they curl up in their little shell and they don't want to, uh, you know, dip their toe into that big pool. But it proves time and time again, networking doesn't mean, you know, necessarily going to a party with a cup of coffee in your hand or a cocktail in your hand. Networking can take place all the time. We encourage people to ask for informational interviews, um, to learn more about companies, to choose companies where they want to work, network with people that are already working there. And, and it, it, it does take time. It does take energy, but it pays off. So to me, I think that's what's going networking, 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 um, and and spend a lot of time there. Instead of sitting behind the computer, get out. Go out and meet people. Join organizations where you're likely to find not people necessarily in the blind community, but if you want to go into, like you mentioned, customer service, there are agencies, um, I mean, there are organizations that have customer service reps that meet every month for a brown bag lunch. Guess who's there? Hiring managers. It's the same thing almost with every profession. So when you get out there and really try to meet people and show them how competent. You know, my dad used to say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. So we can talk a lot about it, but until we're out there and showing them how capable we are, that's where we're going to make a lot of uh, impact. I I totally agree. Networking is definitely a big thing. Um, One of the things I have... One of the things that I have steered away from or actually have told students to stay away from now is um, now a lot of uh, job fairs, I mean, a lot of them is like go online and apply. <laughs> so the thing that I the thing I don't like about that is like what's the whole point of going to a job fair if you're not even going to at least get a, you know what I mean, decent conversation out of let's talk, you know, type thing. Okay. So, um <laughs> But there are there is a, a new type of thing that a lot of people aren't that all familiar with. Um, one of the things I do tell now there is a slight challenge with that, but it's doable. It's just a matter of being a little computer savvy. But um, they actually have virtual um, job fairs online where employers actually uh, speak by voice or they they message in like a, a bulletin type setting, you know, like on Skype or on Zoom. And they'll have, like, live on-call things where people can ask questions about positions that are maybe open. Um, and the employer can actually ask them questions right there on the spot. And then maybe they'll even get a, a, an interview that way. The challenge is the, the chat room. It's mm-hmm. so busy. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy busy. 
So it's a matter of keeping track. So th- those are the type of things that sometimes we use some of our job coaches to help the students out with in that. But there, there are some people that are pretty fast with the computer. So if some of them that are really savvy can keep up with a lot of the, you know what I mean, chit-chat and conversations and stuff. And actually they get – I feel that there's a little bit more leads with that type of thing than there is just going to a regular um, job fair, you know, in general. So, oh, I'm not saying they're not worth it, just, you know. Just, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate, thank, and yes. thank you, Mark. And Kate, were you going to say something? No, I agree with them 100%. Not that there aren't some job fairs that might be. We had federal job fair at our federal building um, next door to us a couple of months ago, and we had five interviews that came out of that. That was We all jumped up and down and did cartwheels because it's the first time we've ever in all these years, and we haven't attended a lot of job fairs, but when we have, we've never had an interview result from them until this last job fair. So, uh, but I would agree with you 100%. Uh, if you just ask to send in your uh, resume online, you're going to be in, in with everyone else. If you're not going to be you're, have too much competition that way. You have to find a way to really stick out and to really well, blossom. And otherwise, yeah, you're just another. You know, you're you're not that diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was going to say is, it really is true. The networking is is goes a long way. I think it's it, it, it's how I've gotten a lot of my jobs and in the positions I've been in is really just t- going that extra mile. And and from you know, there's an art to networking. It's the follow up. It's the contact of handshaking, the eye contact, and just everything else that is relevant to the job hunt. I think that's that's um, very important. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bill, did you um, have any questions at this point before I go on? No, I don't have any questions, but I just wanted to make one comment. One thing that I've observed with each of you, each of you are just excellent speakers, and you oh, all yeah. are very, very positive, yeah, thank you. and you are people that seem to be very happy. And and you you remind me that the first time that I did meet Richard, I was so impressed with him, and I was going through a tough time because I was an eye doctor who was just recently diagnosed with a retinal degeneration, and I knew that I would have to retire very soon because I just mm-hmm. didn't see well enough to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I thought there would not be any type of work for me other than the stereotypical things such as being a massage therapist. Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe I could learn to play the piano. People mm-hmm. would actually tell me that, and I didn't want to. But All after right. I saw Richard, <laughs> and I heard the way that he speaks, and how happy he was, how positive he was, and even when he was going in the building that he wasn't familiar with, he wasn't afraid to use his hands and his cane to feel certain <laughs> things. Uh-huh. And I always thought that you should never do that if you're blind because it demonstrates that you can't see it or you don't know where the electrical outlet is. But in terms of with watching Keith, I realized it showed everybody else that even though he is blind, he has a solution to do things himself. Mm -hmm. And I also was so impressed when I heard him ask a question. Hey, where's the bathroom here for the men? (laughs) But I just thought that as a person with low vision, you shouldn't ask these. 
and I, I saw that the way that he interacted with people, he gave people, at least he gave me, the confidence that this guy could do anything that he wants to. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of you are that way, so thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Dr. Bill. Um, one of the things I was going to say earlier to you, Kate and Mark, was yeah, the, the nice, I guess the, the sort of advantage of being here in Sacramento is we, uh, where I currently work at Society, we're about four blocks from the state capitol, and October right. is National <laughs> Disability Employment Awareness Month, and I'm meeting job recruiters who work for different departments, and Kate, I'll send some of these to you. And they're actively looking for people who, you know, job applicants. And then, and so we've got a lady with Department of Social Services looking to fill all kinds of positions, not just social workers. And they're coming and they're offering to do presentations here. And I know they'd love to come and do that in San Francisco and in Los Angeles as well as, you know, around the state for those in California. And um, that's just, it's the brilliance of networking. I, I've been to six job fairs and, and disability employment fairs this month alone, and it, it's Hi. just great to see a lot more state uh, positions available and people with recruiter positions coming out there and, and walking you through the CalHR process. So it's brilliant. And, and having mm-hmm. a, to be able to apply for a job through CalHR is a lot easier than going through a mountain of paperwork like it was in 2001 when I had my first job with the state. Right. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. It's um, talk about the government jobs. They, there are so many government jobs available right now. It, it, this is a candidate job market. I mean, even in the quote the real world, this is a candidate market. The the uh, unemployment rate is so very low that companies are clamoring to find qualified people. So, because there aren't very many of you on the market, what a great time to start looking for a job. And, and thank you. That's great. Now, if we pulled out our crystal balls and we looked into the future, Mark and Kate, what what do you think the job market would look like, realistically and or ideally, in the next decade? You know, in twenty in twenty thirty, we're you know we're almost twenty twenty. I can't believe that. And but what do you think the job market will be like for us in ten years, fifteen years from now? Any ideas? Any thoughts? Realistically and ideally? Well. Um... I mean, with technology advancing as as fast as it as it as it as it has and as it is, I I I think that it will finally get to a, a point where there will be more jobs on the market that are available for those with visual impairments to be able to do, um, having to do with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I guess you could say that because in the past a lot of the challenges was you need this and then you need that, you know what I mean, in order to, to to do that, or you need something very specific, or you need a private, you know, you need a, uh, you know what I mean, a, a, a private program to be able to do this and be able to do that. And things are changing, and I really think the game will change as well, where there will be more opportunities available, and then it, it's going to change for those with visual impairments as well, is where a lot more of them will be uh, learning a lot of other new skills having to do with technology, probably even newer than what we know now. But I'm just saying in general that there will probably be even more uh, even more opportunities for different types of skills being taught where different fields of work and technology. And, and, so, and what I'm hearing you say, Mark, I think is as more um, 
accessibility is built into mainstream products, you'll see less Correct. proprietary yeah. things and a lot more That's, jobs will yep. potentially be offered and available to mm-hmm. uh, blind job seekers out there going, hey, I can do that. I can do that with mm-hmm. less intervention, with less accommodation, and um, although mm-hmm. those conversations will still be important and necessary in, in the visual world, right. I, I think yeah. um, I think you're right. And, and just before Kate Speaks, Mark. I know we're getting close, so I, I before you hang up and you've got a few minutes. I just want to say thank you again for coming on the call and, and giving, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. And yeah, I appreciate no you being out there in, in the trenches doing it. So thank you. And um, if people want to reach out to you, is there a, is there an email or a way of people can reach out to you who are listening on to this program, whether live or, or being recorded? Yeah, sure. Um, you can reach out to me at uh, M-A-R-K-H-A-N-O-H-A-N-L at gmail.com. So it's my full name, Mark Hanohano at right. gmail.com. Yep. And, Mark, thank you once again, and um, you, you're welcome to stay on as long as you can. Uh, and thank you again. And, and Kate, share with us your crystal ball and your, and your vision <laughs> of the future. I think it's very bright. I truly do. And I think that people are realizing, those job seekers are realizing that they need to be prepared to enter the job market. It doesn't mean you have to go out and get a degree in technology. You don't have to become a coder. You just have to make certain that you're getting the training that's available to um, that makes you capable to do more things. So I think job seekers are uh, are making certain that they're more qualified. I think they're upping uh, what they are learning, and you're right, technology is going to change, and it is going to make so many things more accessible. So I don't think everyone should be rushing out trying to get, uh, you know, become, going to high, you know, in, into tech. Um, there's going to be a myriad of jobs that require support to those tech jobs. Yes, it's the leader. That's where the market trend is. But there are a lot of jobs that support technology. There are still admin assistants. There are still people who do marketing. There are still people who do sales. The world is open to us because we now have, uh, I think, we can enter into this so much more easily. And I truly do believe, don't you feel it when you go to the job fair? I've gone to quite a few recently, and it's not our favorite way of introducing people to the job market, but it is there. And I just see so much more acceptance. I truly do. And going to um, diversity and inclusion meetings at large corporations, they really do want to embrace us. We try to sell the fact that, you know, here you have an untapped community of people. When you hire us, you're going to experience less of a turnover. We have a lot to sell people. We really do. We reduce the company's turnover. We tend to show up on the job every day. We call when we can't show up. Uh, that's worth everything to an employer. We, we are developing, I think, our soft skills, which makes sets us apart and makes us valuable to an employer. We solve. We have solutions all day long. We do them all day long because we have to. And we can sell those kinds of skills to uh, prospective employers um, it takes some concentration. It takes a little bit of guts, to be honest with you, to stick up your head, pride, and just go out and do it. But do it. Just jump in and be enthusiastic. Employers love enthusiasm. And people hire people. They are people, and they'll hire people. When they see that you have that confidence and that you want to work, employers are crying for people that want to work. So 
let's go out and give it to them. That's that would I think that's where we're headed. So, and thank you, Kate. I'd love to hear that. That's great. I've got two quick questions for you, and while I ask you these questions, I'll give you a moment to think about it while we um, ask our, our audience to unmute themselves. But and my first question is: Do you? What is your take on disclosure? Do you disclose before, during, or after the interview? If, if it's obvious or not. And then my other question is, um, do you have a success story or two or jobs that you're most proud of that you helped get for uh, people you've worked with in the past 10 years? Is there something that's super brilliant that you love to boast about? Uh, and while you think about that, folks, if you want to, I believe uh, it's star one to hey, Is that right, Dr. – yes, Mark, do you have to leave? Yeah, well, I'm going to leave in a, in a, I'm going to leave in a minute or two, but I, I wanted to talk Mark, about the uh, – Hey, the... <laughs> <Stay> Mark. <laughs> Are you still there? Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk. I just wanted to mention. I just wanted to mention uh, the disclosure part of it. Go ahead. Okay. So um, I think one of the biggest things I get is that that's the biggest question everybody asks me all the time: is do I disclose? Do I not? And and I think that everybody has a different opinion about it. <laughs> Especially there's a lot of um, – there are a lot of job developers that, that are big on, no, you have to disclose it as soon as possible. You have to tell them. But I'm actually a big proponent of not saying it unless you need a special accommodation. And the only reason why I say that is because sometimes, a lot of the times, the employer is just – they already have a mindset already. And by not telling them that in the beginning, it kind of – gives you an opportunity to be able to, I, I, I don't know how I, if I would word it, prove to them, but be able to kind of show them who you are and, and kind of surprise them, kind of impress them in a way by doing that. But that, that's just my uh, two cents on the disclosure part. So, And, Mark, thank you again. I appreciate that. Um, if you are wanting to speak with Kate or Mark, uh, you can, I believe, it's star one to unmute. And, uh, Kate, do you want to share with us your thoughts? Yes, I think disclosure is situational, and I don't think there is one set rule at all. It's, uh, it, it depends upon the job. It depends upon um, your vision. I mean, if you walk in with a cane, you're disclosing <laughs> right away. You haven't had to say anything. Um, maybe So that's one thing you might face if you don't disclose before. If you disclose before, you might be acing yourself out of an opportunity. It's very, it has to be situational. You have to really think about what is the wisest thing to do. I would say if one decides that they are going to disclose before, probably not before you have an interview that's set up. That would be my advice. In other words, I wouldn't make it the first point of conversation, particularly if it's in a telephone screen. You may not want to do so at all in a telephone screen. Um, if you have to have accommodations, you're almost forced into it. So I don't think we should have in our mind that there's only one way to do it. I think you have to look at each situation as it arises and handle it according to the situation. Brilliant. Um, and thank you, Kate. Uh, just before we go to questions from uh, listeners, are you do you have any stories, anything that you're super excited about in, over the past decade in your in your line of work that you've helped? Uh, um, mold or get or do something that's really super Mark, you're happy since about. You might have, since you might have to pop out, do you want to answer that first? Because I, I, I could go on and on. 
Is Mark still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Uh, I, 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 uh, well, normally the job developer, I usually do a lot of job coaching, but I, I guess one of the things that I, I was uh, pretty impressed about was uh, lately we've been doing a lot of Amazon hires, so um, people getting hired at Amazon in our areas, and I think that it's great that um, especially a big employer like that is, is being inclusive, especially in uh, whatever it may be. It could be um, not just warehouse, but other locations where they do sorting and everything else, so that's, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I will say um, for Mark's benefit, when he worked for me, when I worked with him at uh, Junior Blind at the time, um, we lost a staff member just before the summer. So I said, hey, Mark, uh, I need you to find jobs for people to help run my internship <laughs> program. And he, he jumped right in in the hot seat, and he um, he did a damn good job. He you know he really did. We, we took the list from the prior year, and then we made some cold calls and just threw it out there and, and people were Mark was charismatic, was charming and he was able to really get employers to say hey look we'll give you, uh, your your students a chance this summer because they didn't have to pay, we paid them through rehabilitation services but a lot of really unique opportunities came out of that summer of, um, of the time that Mark jumped into it so you know he is he is pretty good <laughs> and a lot of the a lot of the students did very well uh, there were one or two employers that even wanted to hire them after that so <laughs> So that is really good. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot, it really is a lot of fun. So. so I'll probably tell a tug at your heart story because it tugs at my heart every time I retell it. it it's the one I think that um, brought so much joy. Uh, we had a young man that joined the first deafblind person that we had that attended our program. And when he came into the classroom the first day, he had a hoodie on. Uh, he was hiding. Um, his hair was straggly and long and he never took that hoodie off, and he slumped over the table. Uh, he was he was so very depressed. Um, and we had a tactile uh, in, uh, person who would uh, work with him. And it took me a long time to look at the look at uh, Kevin and not at the interpreter. If I finally got onto it, so that I felt like I was making a connection, even though we couldn't see one another, there seemed to be a connection between the two of us. Uh, on graduation day, uh, I mean, he, he, we, this was a six-week program. He came almost every day and almost all day. It was a rigorous program. On the last day of graduation, his hair was cut. He came to, we had uh, videotaped the interviews uh, with employers so that they could learn from their interviewing techniques. He looked beautiful and smile on his face. Um, he had ushers, so when he first married, had three children, he had only his hearing loss, and as his vision decreased, he lost his family. He lost his job, and then he lost his family. His wife moved away and took his three children. He couldn't pay child support, so he could no longer see his children. I'd be depressed, too. Um, He got a job with Boeing Aircraft at Seattle Lighthouse. I will say it was through another program, but he ended up making airplane parts with Braille, um, in a, a die-cutting machine using Braille. He was fully employed, and he called me two summers ago and said, I was able to bring my children out and spend the whole summer with me in Seattle. And I, I just, that's a, I mean, when you hear about people who overcome the way that he did, and um, it just, that's why, I think that's why all of us that are in employment and love what we're doing, it's why we're doing it. It's because we see people's lives change 
when they find employment to become self-reliant and sustaining. It's just, it's just a joyous kind of um, job to have. I'd encourage anyone to, that wants to go into employment, come out and apply, apply to work with us. <laughs> We'd love to have you join our team and, and spread the word. <laughs> I know I sound I know like you. Pollyanna. And no, you have a lot of job openings there. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, and please share with us your contact and your website when you're when we're done here, Kate. But let's ask the audience. I'm sure we've got a few people out there chomping at the bit. We got about five or six minutes left before we wrap it up. So, would anyone, if you have a question, please state your name. Lastly, are you still with us, Dr. Bill, Christine? I know three of you are still on the phone. This is Dr. Bill. <laughs> Kate, I have a question for you. I'm yes. still here, Richard. I'm still here. I was on mute. So. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Bill, then Leslie, if you have a question. Uh, Kate, would you give us just some examples of some of the types of jobs that people have been able to get? Sure. Uh, there are, it's all over the board. I think that's one question that a lot of companies ask. Well, what kind of jobs can you get for blind people? And it is all over the board. We have several people that have uh, administrative jobs. And that has been with uh, government jobs. We have someone that went to work for the Department of Rehabilitation, uh, someone that went for the, with the Department of Labor. So they are like support jobs, like tech support, not technology, but tech support or um, uh, working with uh, the Department of Rehab clients, um, kind of as like a liaison between the rehabilitation counselor and the client, and doing a lot of the um, you know reports and whatnot. Uh, we have people that work with uh, the city and county of San Francisco. We place myriad of people with the city and county of San Francisco in human resources departments. In um, I think three or four people in human resources. Um, we have people that are working um, janitorial jobs or custodial jobs. Uh, we have trained people um, who have no vision to be janitors and doing a great job. Uh, we have uh, some people that have gone into uh, more of a sales position. There's a lot, not marketing, not telemarketing, but actually acting as sourcers for recruiters. We have several people that have gone into recruiting. As I said, we've placed a good many people over these nine years. Thank and you. the jobs are all over the board. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, and thank you. Are there uh, any questions for our guests? Okay. Uh, I I could ask a question. This is Kathy Farina. Yes, Kathy. Um, what advice do you have for young people who are, say, uh, in high school and are looking to get some kind of work experience that they can start with, you know, getting a resume together uh, for getting into the workforce in the first place? Uh-huh. Well, I think you know, uh, certainly there's nothing wrong with volunteering. Uh, we use a lot of volunteering on resumes to open the door. Um, there are a myriad of volunteer positions out there. And uh, companies are also opening up internships now. Uh, we do have a transitional use program here at the Lighthouse, and I know that our the person who leads that program is very actively putting people into three- and four-week jobs during the summer. They're not long-term jobs, but they're short-term internships, and at least they're on the resume. Having said that, if there are, if there are not employers, um, it's very uh, not easy, but it can work, work, work at a camp. Work at a blind camp. Malibu, what's the name of your camp, Richard and 
Mark, what was the name of the camp in Malibu? It, it's Camp it's Camp Bloomfield, um, and then Enchanted Hills up in Napa. Right. So they could work at a camp where they're getting that experience and being able to put it on their resume, but still being in a very comfortable and non-threatening kind of an environment where they're going to feel that they're uh, they're helping people and still not being intimidated. So maybe something that's a little bit less intimidating. Um, but there are so many volunteer positions that are available, especially right now. Working at a hospital at a reception desk or, I mean, just go. You know, we always have people uh, write down names of companies and, and that they want to work for and then studying that company and trying to get into it through networking and whatnot. That can open up so many doors, even for young people. I couldn't agree more. You, it's really all about taking initiative. You got to get yourself to a place where you got to be uncomfortable to mm-hmm. really thrive and really prosper, and that's sometimes what it takes. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with a, a good support system, family, friends, loved ones, people who believe in you, who are going to not give up on you, and really, you know, help you go that extra mile because that's what it takes for blind job seekers to go in that extra step to really, so really, right. and that's yeah, you're so right. Kate, this is Leslie. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. We really appreciate it. Um, that was a good story about that that gentleman that has ushers. So that was a, that was a great story. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Kate and Mark, even though Mark is gone for the benefit of our <laughs> listeners, I, I thank you both for your again your wisdom, your time. You're both busy people, and uh, just your knowledge and your passion. It really shows. It really shows, and is. This uh, program gets uh, spliced and, and edited and put up there on the web. It, we'll, we'll definitely share it with you, and, and, and it'll and touch the lives of many folks. So, Kate, thank you. Um, we really appreciate it, and best of luck to you for hopefully another nine or ten years of, of continued <laughs> work you. and success with your employment program. Uh, you're doing brilliant things, and I was happy to be a part of it for a moment and at the Lighthouse, and uh, <laughs> thank you. And thank you for inviting us, and Dr. Bill, thank you for letting us speak. It was wonderful to be a oh, part of yes. it. Oh, yes. This has been very helpful. And, Kate, can we have your contact information, yes. too? So that My email it. address is the initial K, Williams. So people around here call me Quilliams. So K Williams at lighthouse-sf, as in San Francisco, dot org. Brilliant. That's all it is, an email. All right, Kate, again, thank you for, for participating. And uh, everyone, and Dr. Bill, you take it away. Thank you for uh, participating in Let's Talk With Low Vision for October 2019. Thank, thank you. you. Very much. Thank you to all of you for being on. And I'd like to introduce you very quickly to uh, Christine. And Christine really organizes, puts a lot of these together. And Christine, would you just let everybody know where they would be able to go if they wanted to listen to the podcast or if they wanted a copy of the notes? You can actually go to two places. One is ltlv.cclvi.org, and the other is airsla.org. But when it's archived, I will send out an email with that info. Mm. Thank you. No problem. All right. Well, good night, everybody.